um, some people experience this, and I'm kind of curious, maybe some, some of you experience this, but you don't have to raise your hands or anything, you know, kind of give me a knowing look. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to decipher this or not. I'll try. Uh, they say some, upon accomplishing great things in their lives or good things in their lives, that rather than experiencing joy or this great satisfaction of working really hard and accomplishing something or finishing the task or reaching a goal, rather than experiencing those kind of good things and feelings, there are some of us who experience this really disappointing, I don't know, it's hard to describe. There's disappointment, there's a fall off, it's not what we expect it to be. Uh, yeah, that's some of the things that you guys go through. You know, you set a goal, you reach that goal, and for some reason, it's not what you thought it would be like. Yeah, I can't tell. It's okay. I'm not like that. You know, I, I get excited easily. And if something I feel like I was working towards, uh, you know, I reach that goal or whatever it is, I get really excited. And it's, it's a good feeling. And I'm not here trying to brag. Uh, I, I really don't feel like I've accomplished a lot of things. I, I can get that feeling over little things. You know, the, the steak turned out the way I wanted it to turn out, right? You're grilling a steak, and it's like medium rare. It's like, oh, man. You know, I get excited. I get really excited. I, that was my goal, and I reached that goal, you know? Of course, it could be more serious or bigger things in life, whatever it is. Finishing grad school for me was a huge source of excitement and joy. The reason I wanted us to start thinking about this a little bit was this passage we just read, and it, it might be a story you've heard before or, or talked about before, or maybe this is something you're hearing or seeing for the first time, and it sounds just crazy, right? Well, you know, to understand the, the setting of this story, we got to go back a couple of Sundays. Last Sunday was Christmas Sunday, so we had a special Christmas Sunday. But before that Sunday, we had a message that Pastor Steve shared with us. And I'm not going to rehash the message, but Jesus had fed this really large crowd. And it was a miracle because they only had a few items of food, right? A little bit of bread, a little bit of fish. And somehow, Jesus had turned that small amount of food into enough food where a great multitude of people were able to eat and were satisfied. And those leftovers, not just a little bit, but a great amount of leftovers. And the disciples were a part of that miracle. They were running around and divvying out food and coming back and then going back into the crowd and giving out more food and then coming back. It was the buffet that just did not end. And they were a part of that. And the feeling at the end of that was what? Right? Think about that. You had given up everything that was a part of your former life and you had followed Jesus... And now you're beginning to see sort of the fruit of that decision. You, 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 were, you were witnessing things that you shouldn't be witnessing. And you saw it with your own eyes and you were a part of it. You, you kept coming back and you knew exactly how much fish and bread you started with. And every time you come back, there's more. And maybe you're, you're looking around and you're saying, well, where's this all coming from? And at some point you have to realize... It's not natural. 
right? At some point, you had to, it, it dawned on you that you were witnessing something incredible. And in John chapter uh, 6, verses 14 and 15, this is right before uh, the passage we read this morning. John tells us this, that when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So it was obvious to everyone that they were a part of something special that day. It wasn't just another day. It wasn't just another moment of, you know, sitting down and, and having a meal together after hearing some great things. No, this was something completely different. And the crowd was wanting to do what? Grab him and make him become king. Right? What a terrible thing for people to do, right? We're going to make you lead us. We're going to make you be our king. But we have to realize that there was a lot of political expectations that came with that. They thought this was going to be the guy that they had been waiting for. Finally, we're free from this Roman rule and reign, and we can, we can become our, you know, we, if we follow him and he's our king, Imagine what he could do. He took a little bit of bread and fish and he fed all of us. Imagine what this guy could do. And Jesus, what does, he, what does he do? What's his response? It wasn't his plan or purpose that he had come for. In fact, maybe when we think, caref when we think carefully about the reaction of the people there that day, is it fair to ask, did they want to use Jesus? Was their reaction of wanting him to be king, wanting him to be their leader, was it a selfish reaction? And perhaps, Mark Sproul has a great point, a great quote on this, perhaps what Jesus saw that day was that his disciples were just as excited as the crowd. That they were also looking to him with the hope that he might be the one to drive the Romans out of the land. And if so, then it's hardly surprising that Jesus bustled the disciples off to Bethsaida in this way. He headed off any spontaneous moves to make him king. That wasn't the plan. That wasn't the purpose. That's not why he left the glory of heaven to come to earth. He didn't want to sit on a man-made throne. And have a kingdom here on earth. And so he withdraws, and he, he sends his disciples on a boat to Bethsaida. By the way, Bethsaida, if we look at John 1.44, we see Philip was from Bethsaida. Andrew and Peter was. It was like he was sending them back to their hometown. Now go home. They had just witnessed this great miracle. They had just seen this great thing and been a part of it. And Jesus is like, all right, everyone, all right. I'm going off to the mountainside. In fact, Mark's uh, retelling of, of what happened in Mark 6.45, he tells us what happens. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. We are reminded from, uh, you know, there's three places in Scripture, and we're not going to keep jumping around, but I'll, I've tried to compile it for you so we can all go through it smoothly. He goes up to pray. Jesus wants to pray, and he sends them home or across the sea, but 
Immediately, what happens? The winds kick up, the waves get big. In fact, it's described as a strong headwind in Mark, right? They're rowing against the wind. And they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're rowing, and the waves are getting big. And this is not an uncommon thing for the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you know, if you do a little research, I don't know how many of you would be curious, curious to do this, but you'll see that it's not uncommon because of the hills and mounds surrounding it, that the winds would come down and kick up everything, and you would get these sudden, uh, oh, at least for us, pretty scary windstorms, right? You know... Uh, it's, it's interesting for me one time, you know, I, I don't know if, if any of you guys here like fishing. I don't, uh, I'm not a big f fishing guy. I've never just, no one ever took me fishing, so I don't know anything about fishing. And I uh, really don't, I don't know if I enjoy being on a boat or not. I don't know. You know, it's, uh, but one time we were on vacation and we decided this is literally going to be my first time fishing. We, you know, I'm going to try deep sea fishing. Like me and my brother-in-law, we went on on this boat. You know, and we get on this boat with like five other people, and I don't know if you could call it fishing. We really didn't do anything, right? There's guys on the boat. They they put the bait on the thing on the. I see. I don't even know the terminology, right? The the hook. They cast it. Boom! The boat's going really fast. We just kind of sat there, and if you know, you would hear there was this kind of cool sound that the any any you guys know that. Right? It's, like, it's like the line is flying off, and you're, you get excited. You're like, whoa, but you can't do anything yet because the guy has to go get it. And, and then while he's doing that, they strap you in a chair. And then you, basically at the end, all you do is you kind of just, they keep trying to you know, tell you to do this, right? And, you, you know, it was my first time I got tired in like literally 10 seconds. Like my forearms, everything felt like they were going to burst. I thought I was going to throw up. And I was like, I, I actually turned to my brother-in-law and I was like, hey, you take over. And he's like, no, 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 it's yours. I was like, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. And, you know, I lost, I lost that fish. He, literally, they, handed, they gave me three shots at it. And every time I was just like, what is the fun of this? I, I, I lost it. And then the waves came. The waves came. And we were uh, tossed around in that little boat. And I got, I, you know, I'll be honest, I got, I got scared. I'm not, I'm not used to being on the water. And I looked around, and we're all sliding around. And for us, we're on vacation. We're all scared. But the guys who are used to this, they weren't scared at all. It was like normal for them. And so, you know, what's interesting about this passage, look at it carefully. We really don't see, you know, you, you get, they get into this condition. What do they do? Do, do they turn back and go back? to the shore and return. No, they just keep going for three or four miles, right? It's just going and going and going. But you got to remember, this was their life. They're used to this. They've seen this. This wasn't their first time on the Sea of Galilee. But they do experience something that terrifies them. It wasn't the waves, right? All of a sudden, they see someone walking on the water. Jesus approaches them. You know, the first great fact of this story, uh, James Boyce has this quote. The first great fact of this story, according to him, it means that Jesus himself had sent them across the lake by boat, knowing full well what was to happen. Charles Spurgeon reminds us, their sailing was not merely under his sanction, but by his express command. They were in the right place, and yet they met with a terrible storm. It was, it was Christ himself who had sent his disciples into that storm. 
Now, you know, I don't, I don't know if we should make too much of that, all right? Like, oh, yeah, Jesus will send us into the storms of life, you know, and things like that. Uh, but it's an interesting fact to note this, right? He, he, he didn't, you know, and this is the stuff we do. If we're driving somewhere and I know there's going to be a snowstorm, all right, I avoid it. I'm not going to try to go through the grapevine if I know roads are closed and, you know, Google Maps is a great friend, right? We do everything we can to avoid trouble. We take detours. And it is an interesting fact that Jesus didn't send them on another path, another direction, or he didn't say, let's spend the night, or he didn't say, let's come up to the hills with me and pray, and then when the weather's better, I know there's a storm coming, so then we'll go on our way. It is an interesting fact. And maybe there was something that Jesus was going to show them and demonstrate to them and teach them that late, late night or early, early morning, however you want to see it. You know, it sounds cruel that he sent them into the storm or what have you, but we are told that Jesus was watching them. He saw his disciples in the torment. He goes out to them in the fourth watch of the night. Uh, we know that the fourth watch is between 3 and 6 a.m., so you can imagine the misery and the tiredness. You know, you can't, I, you know, 3 to 6, I'm sleeping, right? And it, it really, even in a storm, I'm probably asleep 3 to 6. But they're rowing the boat for miles and miles. But Jesus is watching. He sees and he realizes the trouble that they're going through. He walks literally on top of the water to them. The language in Scripture is that this was a miracle. Now, we've tr there are some who try to explain this away, and they, you know, they, they were hallucinating, they saw something, or really Jesus was more just walking on the shore, and because of everything that was going on, and the time of the day or night, they were tired, etc., etc. But clearly, they were terrified, right? That's what Scripture says. They were terrified. They were scared because they were seeing something that shouldn't be happening. A man literally walking on the water towards them. He goes to them and he speaks to them. He says, it is I. Do not be afraid. This entire, I don't know, conversation is how many words in our English translation. In the Greek, it's just as brief. It's quick, but his words carry a lot of weight. In the Gospel of John, John uses, I think purposefully, many also do, this repeated use of the phrase, I am, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. We've put it up here for you, I am the resurrection and the life. I am, I am, I am. And here, what does he say? It is I. And we've translated it as I in English. It's the same words as I am. There is this possible reference to even when God appeared to Moses back in the Old Testament in the burning bush, I am who I am. Is Jesus trying to reveal himself to his disciples? It's then seeking to maybe comfort them or I don't know, you know. He says, look, 
Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. His words demand a ceasing of fear. A ceasing of fear. Instead, to focus on who he is. It's almost like take a minute and think. Right? What have you been seeing? What have you been experiencing? And you know, at this point, it's where a lot of us, we will say, look, Jesus is demonstrating his divinity to his disciples. He's showing them he is God. He's not just a normal guy. He's not just another teacher or, or someone who has some good, wise things to say. He is the man who can feed and take care of the multitudes. And he's also got power over even nature. And, you know, this isn't the first time they've witnessed this. There was the earlier miracle. It's not recorded for us in John. But he calmed the storm before this happened. And so there should have been a reminder of, of the fact that he is more than just a mortal man. His divinity is on full display. But what strikes me this morning is also his humanity. He sees and he watches and then he goes out to them. And he speaks to them. He comforts them. He reminds them of who he is. And when he says, it is I, do not be afraid, he's not asking them to draw on some kind of courage within them. He's not saying, hey, suck it up, be strong. What are, you know, you've been through this before, whatever, etc. It's this idea of, look, I'm here. And if we read the, the text of John in a straightforward manner, it's almost like, I don't know, it's kind of hard to ignore, right? In verse 21, then they were glad to take him into the boat. And what happens? Immediately. The boat was at the land to which they were going. It's almost as if what we have here, and this is a detail that sometimes I don't hear a lot being talked about, or, or maybe we, we just don't remember. This is like another miracle takes place. Right? So what do we see? We see Jesus sending them into the storm. We see Jesus seeing them in the storm. Then we see Jesus going out to them in the storm. And then we see Jesus speaking to them in the storm. And then we see Jesus bringing them to safety. Right? Taking them out of the storm. Immediately, the boat was at the land to which they were going. I know for us who uh, live in the day of electric cars, electric trucks, that look kind of interesting, right? Tesla truck, I'm not sure what to think. It's hard for us to digest the story like this, isn't it? Walking on water, and all of a sudden the boat is like in the middle of the storm, and now it's on land, right? You know, this is the kind of stuff like if we want to talk to our non-Christian friends, it's like, uh, you know, maybe this is not where we start. A little hard to digest, a little hard to kind of take it all in. But why was it recorded for us three times? Three times, not once, but three times in Scripture. And, you know, maybe for us, I was thinking about this, and I, and I think, you know, maybe for us, 
like the crowds and maybe even like the disciples, we have very selfish reasons. We want to make Jesus our king. You know, we've, we, we come to him, but we come to him with an agenda. We, we've got a plan that we would love to see him act out. Make reality. So that we could also get excited and say, look, I follow the true king. The one who can do this and that and who's done all of these things. Man, he's the one I'm following all the way to the end. And, and I think the disciples had to learn something really important that night. It's, Jesus did not come for that at all. He was the Messiah, not the king. Savior of the world. And in order to, to, to save us, he had to die on the cross. Just as Jesus called out his disciples and asked them to follow them, I believe he also calls each and every single one of us to be his children, to follow him, to be his disciples, to be willing to go where he sends us, to be willing to serve. But he doesn't just send us off and leave us be. I really do believe he watches over us. His eyes are upon us. And I also believe that when he, we are in trouble, he is the one who is with us. And he's also the one who comforts us. He speaks to us. And he's also the great shepherd who saves us. Who brings us to safety. And his words that night or that morning to his disciples, It is I, do not be afraid. Have courage are also the words I would like you to remember this morning on this last Sunday of 2019. God promises his presence to all of us as his children and his disciples. And I also believe that is our strength and that is our source of courage. That as we go through life, whether we're sailing right now or whether we're struggling right now, it does not matter. It's not ourselves that we draw upon. It's not our ability, our wisdom, our know-how, our ability to figure things out and solve puzzles, our ability to make money, our ability to talk our way out of trouble, etc., etc., etc. It is that we have a Savior who loves us watches over us, and leads us. Amen? And so have courage. Do not be afraid. But also, you know, the, the most important thing here is, I, th I think Jesus is revealing himself to his disciples. And maybe what we need most in 2020 is for God to reveal himself more to us. And you know, when we think of along these terms, a lot of times what we want God to reveal is his awesome and mighty power. We want him to change right rocks into gold. Sickness into perfect, amazing health. Misery into joy. And, and we pray for that power, but sometimes we forget what we should pray for is, Lord, be our strength. Don't leave me alone. Speak to me. Be my courage. Amen? Not just his divinity, but his humanity.
fully God, fully man, our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we, we thank you for this amazing display of not only your incredible power, but also your heart, your compassion, your love. And as we are declaring ourselves to be your children and your disciples, we pray that also you would remind us of the very same things, that you are a God who is stronger than anything in this world and in this life, but you're also a God who cares and loves us, leads us, guides us. We thank you for this reminder today. We pray that as we wrap up 2019 and head into 2020, we pray that you would help us to be a people would not be afraid that you would reveal yourself more and more to us each day that we would seek to follow you that we would go where you send us lord in jesus name we pray amen